Welcome aboard the Awaken Life Church spaceship. I'm your captain speaking. Please buckle up as we head off into a new solar system, the unknown. In three, two, one. As we venture out into the unknown, we'll see craters and meteors, and of course, planets. The first planet that we have, planet facing the unknown. As we go out a bit further, we have the second one, planets journey into the unknown. And of course, we'll see a few more stars, space shuttles, and then we have the next planet, planets the never-ending unknown. And you won't believe this, but we just found a new one. This one is planet unknown in the... Okay, so we haven't named this planet yet, and this is where you come in. Is there maybe an unknown in your life that we can name this planet after? So each one of us has a different unknown, whether that might be going to university, starting a new job, losing a job, etc., etc. The thing is, we know that we will have an unknown. And we know that there will be times in our lives where we feel uncertain, unsettled, and unsure. So, how can we be better equipped to go into this unknown? Let's travel back to the planets. So, to the first one. Planet facing the unknown. So, you might either anticipate the unknown, so you see it coming. For example, you're going to university and you know that there's going to be a change in your life. Or it can be unexpected, for example, COVID-19, right? <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> but either way, you need to make a decision on how you're going to face that unknown. You can either tackle it face front or you can run away. And with that in mind, we have astronaut Lot's wife that we can look at for an example. <laughs> so Lot and his wife, okay, so she wasn't an astronaut, but... <laughs> they were living in the city of Sodom. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with Sodom, but Sodom and Gomorrah were known for being cities filled with sin and corrupt people. Right? In Genesis 13, verse 13, we read that the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. And God had become disheartened with the sin, so he decided to destroy Sodom but he spared Lot and his wife's life. In Genesis 19, we read, At dawn, the angels tried to make Lot hurry. Quick, they said, take your wife and your two daughters and get out, so that you will not lose your lives when the city is destroyed. Then one of the angels said, Run for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop in the valley. Run to the hills so that you won't be killed. But Lot's wife looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack. And of course, just the part of turning into a pillar of salt is a story on its own. But I want to focus in particular on the decision that Lot's wife made. When she was faced with uncertainty, what did she do? She looked back. 
even though God had told her to keep going, run, go forward, don't look back, she explicitly disobeyed him. She was so associated and entangled with the city of Sodom, which, fair enough, that was her home. That's what she was accustomed to, what she was used to. But she still made the decision to look back. And as sad as that may be, I think it's quite relatable to our lives. We might be in a position where we are mentally or physically in a bad place, whether we know it or not. And God might be calling us out to face a different situation. But for us, that situation is an unknown. So we would rather stay in the situation that we are in. It's what's familiar. We know what to expect. And we might not want to give that up. Just like Lot's wife, she held on. It seemed like she was going forward, right? She started running. But she had to quickly just glance back. And I believe that we do that a lot in our lives. But we can still learn from Lot's wife. Firstly, we must place our trust in God. So we cannot linger or dwell in our current situation or past situation when God is telling us to go forward. But this requires, and that is the second part, that we take the leap of faith. It's not called a leap for nothing. We actually have to go forward. We have to jump forward and make sure that we actually keep going. And it is only once we do that, that we can go to the next planet. <laughs> and that is planet journey into the unknown. And for this, we can look at Abraham. So in Genesis 12, verse one to three, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. So for me, what's really interesting about this is that Abraham went away from everything he knew without necessarily knowing where he's going. God said, go to the land I will show you, not one that has been shown to you. So if it was me, I would probably say, thanks, God, I note your blessings. Yes, we can keep that. We can keep all those blessings, but maybe a map, a name for the place. <laughs> but thankfully, Abraham wasn't me. <laughs> and this is how he responded. It says, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And this is re-emphasized again in Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Isn't that just a remarkable response? Abraham didn't hesitate. He got up and he went. He didn't know where he was going, but he still went. And what makes this even more remarkable is if we consider the circumstance that Abraham was in. So firstly, the country that Abraham was living in. He was living in a beautiful, well-developed place. He was accustomed to that life as well. And now he was, going, he was asked to go to somewhere else, somewhere where he would become a foreigner, someone who was maybe not welcome there. Secondly, he was asked to leave his people. So Abraham and his wife, Sarah, firstly, were 
quite old at that stage. So Abraham was 75 when he actually left. And of course, they were well connected to the people there. They had a foundation. They probably didn't feel, you know, they wanted to get up, move to a new place. They were quite comfortable, especially if we consider Sarah's position in this. She, she didn't hear directly from God. Abraham had told her, come, let's go, we have to go. God is telling us to go. But they went, and this is the kind of request that God asks of us too. So what can we learn from Abraham though? A major requirement of stepping into uncertainty requires submission to God's calling. It requires faith. So in Hebrews 11 verse eight again, it's repeated twice. By faith, Abraham went, and by faith. It wasn't on his own accord. He wasn't necessarily strong enough to make that decision. He had to trust in God. And if we look at Hebrews 11 verse one, we are reminded that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So Abraham reminds us that when we actually trust in God, we're not looking to ourselves or finding strength within ourselves. And it's also not necessarily an earthly thing that we're looking at, right? Faith requires something more, something we do not see. It's in the spiritual bounds. And this act of fully submitting to God is quite difficult, right? It's not a once-off thing. It's something that we have to continuously do, especially on a journey into the unknown. A journey is not one straight path, right? It's not going from point A to point B, five kilometers and we're done. <laughs> it requires more and we're going to have hurdles along the way. For example, let's say going to university, that's already one uncertainty in itself. Did I choose the right course? Am I going to enjoy it? And then while you're there, you meet new people. Am I going to get along well with those people? Am I going to make new friends? What about speaking about God to these people? Will they understand? What will they consider of me? Will they think I'm not like them? And then you have to find a job, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this then takes us to our next planet. Planet the never-ending unknown. And who better to talk about than Job? So at the time that we meet Job, he's quite a wealthy man. We read that he had plenty livestock and he also had plenty servants. But besides being wealthy, he was also known as a remarkable man. The people liked him and they considered him to be honest and they really admired the faith that he had. He's also described as being the greatest man among all the people of the East. That's quite a nice title to have. <laughs> and God even mentions Job to Satan. And he says in Job 1 verse 8, there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So when Satan hears this, he says, no, this can't be true. I know those humans. <laughs> Job is only like this because he's so wealthy, he's so well-liked and respected. Just let me go there, let me mess things up a little bit and you'll see. He will curse you, he won't be the same. 
So God allows this to happen. And over a period of one day, 24 hours, four messengers appear to Job. And he gets told that his livestock is all gone, most of his servants have died, and 10 of his children have also died. So I don't know how you would react, but Job's response was admirable. So we read in Job 1, verse 20 to 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And in all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Right, so after all this has happened, Job decides, let me praise God. Let me thank him for this, because clearly this is for his glory. There's something in this that God allowed to happen for a reason. And Satan again says, no, no, no. Let me try one more time. Clearly, I haven't pushed the buttons enough. So Satan tests Job again. And this time, we see his wife have a say in the matter. So in Job 2 verse 8 to 10, we read, His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And in all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. So now we get to the part where there's different voices coming in. So first we have Job's wife who says this to him. And later on we read that his friends also come in and have a say. They start to say, don't you think maybe you did something wrong and this is God's way of punishing you? A friend also says to him, you know what, maybe you should actually be grateful. Maybe you should be suffering more, but God is sparing you. So Job lets these voices get into his head and he starts to say worrying things. He starts to damn the day that he was born and he starts to question God. And he asks questions that maybe you have asked. Why do evil people thrive but honest people suffer? Or why does God judge people by their deeds when he can just forgive them and forget about them? Ultimately, the suffering is too much for Job. He starts to become bitter and anxious and really starts to let other people's opinions get to him. So what happened then? God decided to intervene. God revealed himself to Job and told him to be brave, to remember who he is. And through that reminder, Job began to focus again. He started to realize, oh, I've, I've lost my faith. Well, not lost his faith, but he started to prioritize fear over his faith. And it was God who had to step in and remind him where his focus was. And with this, there's also then something we can learn from Job. Firstly, Job teaches us about the relationship between prosperity, adversity, and faith in God. Of course, it's easy to trust God and say that we do not fear the unknown when we're going through good things because there's nothing to worry about. But as soon as things go a bit sour, who do we place our trust in? Do we, st do we remain faithful to God 
or do we start to listen to the voices around us? And of course, in those times, if other people start to, you know, question God and it influences you, it is about how you can regain focus on God. And again, it's God who steps in and reveals himself. Secondly, it's okay to question God for the reasons why something has happened, but it's not okay to stay in that place. When we question God, we need to go to him with an open heart and really pour out our heart to him and just admit we don't understand why something is happening and we might never understand, but then still get to that point where we don't completely give up our hope or faith in God. And with this in mind, we can make our final stop. Planet unknown in the... Okay, so we still have to name this planet. But if you've noticed, a primary similarity between all three Bible figures is that God was there. God was present in all their lives, and God is present in our life. We just need to decide if we're going to rely on Him and put our faith in Him during the unknowns, or if we're going to try and do things by our own accord. And through these three Bible figures, there are also three key points that we can take from their lives. Firstly, it's to stand firmly on God's promises. So in Isaiah 55 verse 11, it says, no word spoken from the mouth of God will return empty. So it may be a situation such as Abraham, where God explicitly promised him something, or our promise can come from the Bible. God's promise is the truth, and what is in the Bible is his promise to us. We need to remember, as difficult as it can be, that that is our foundation as we go forward. As we take the step, what are we stepping on? And that should be God's promise. Secondly, let go of your need to be in control. So this is probably the most difficult one for most of us because we like to be in control. We like to know what's happening next, planning, where are we going in the future? And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But as Proverbs 16 verse nine says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So as we go forward, we need to rely on God's plan and really trust him to guide us because after all, he does know better. Think about Lot's wife again. She didn't truly trust God and that did not work out for her. <laughs> and this is not always to say that we're going to walk into, our unknown is going to be a walk into a life of wealth and prosperity because earthly wealth and prosperity is not necessarily money and good fortune, right? It's whatever is in God's glory and what his plan is even though we might not know what that is. And thirdly, it's choosing faith over fear. Again, this is quite a difficult one. When we are in times of fear and unknown and don't know what's going to happen, we can easily become unsettled and not know what to do, right? So it's easy to lose track of even choosing faith. Think about Job again. It's not that he intentionally tried to dismiss God and not trust in God's plan. But in that time when you're feeling overwhelmed, it is more difficult. 
We need to constantly remind ourselves to look to God, to pray and ask for His help and just guide us when the times don't seem that easy. So, if I could suggest a name for the final planet, it would be planet unknown in the hands of God because that's where the unknown belongs, in God's hands. It is only when we place the unknown in God's hands that we truly can follow through with those three steps, when we can actually stand firmly on God's promise, let go of our need to be in control, and choose faith over fear. And with that in mind, that is my prayer for you. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So with that in mind, I would also like to pray with you in closing off. (laughs) Lord, thank you for bringing us here tonight to just praise you and truly remind ourselves of your promises for us and your blessings for us. Lord, I pray that as we go out into the unknown and go into areas of our life that we feel are not certain yet, that you will remind us that your promise still stands that you will remind us that you are in control and we just need to let go and give you the reins. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us constantly choose faith over fear. Lord, I also pray that as we continue to worship, you will just speak to us and truly allow us that feeling of giving control to you. I also pray that you'll just keep us safe as we go home and that we'll continue to have a blessed week. Pray this in your name. Amen.